everybody. I am so excited to welcome to the podcast today, Hind Sipti, who is the co-founder of Weldon Cast and the creator of Wind. I have to tell you, I had never heard of Wind before. And Laura, who's on my team, is like, you have to try these products by this woman who's a Moroccan-born entrepreneur, a former beauty executive, who makes these vegan cruelty-free products and really has an inspiring story of how she started the company and all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, send me, send me, send me. Hind was so generous to send me some of the products. And I am not an influencer. I am not paid, but I said, send me the products. And then one by one, I started opening them, using them, completely addicted to these two things. And we're going to hear a lot about her story and where she's from. Hind, thank you for being with us today. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Maha. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your story. I want to know like your background, where you came from. Who are you? Tell everybody. Okay. So I might have to give you the scenic roots because, you know, I'm a storyteller. So I just go. And um, so the story started in Morocco a little bit over 40 years ago. Uh, I am Moroccan. I was born in a city called Meknes, which is an old traditional city in the middle of Morocco, and it's what we call an imperial city. It's a city that was at some point um, a capital of the kingdom, because Morocco is a kingdom, and as such has a lot of tradition and history. It's on the UNESCO World Heritage Site, you know, this kind of um, old towns. So I feel very anchored, you know, in a traditional Morocco, because this is how I grew up. And, uh, and I feel very lucky to have been born in Morocco because I always say it's what I got my beauty buck from because beauty is everywhere. And when I say beauty is with a capital B, beautiful landscape, beautiful, you know, um, architecture, beautiful people, beautiful food, beautiful, you know, we always say we in Morocco, we like to sublime the ordinary. So every daily little thing is a little bit more magical. So I always had this, you know, thing with, with beauty and, and also I'm a dreamer. So, you know, I create stories on top of stories. So I was born in Meknes and, uh, but I also um, went to French high school. So this was the beginning of this duality of culture, you know, from a very traditional, traditional background, but also going to French high school by day. So I was always um, between both cultures. And my dad used to say, when you are between two cultures, you can either master both or fall in the middle. <laughs> so you need to be aware. And it was always aware of this. I am from somewhere, but I'm excited about the world. You know, it was France at the time and all this kind of different kind of um, backgrounds. Uh, so that was, you know, how I was born. I went to high school and in high school, uh, I'm sure you'd relate to that Maha as well, is in Morocco when you're good in maths or science, you do engineering. You know, this is like, there's limited you're career. Path. You're an engineer or a doctor. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of limited. So I was like, I'm going to be an engineer. And I wanted to be that even more so because people were like, but you're a girl, you know, why would you be an engineer? It's traditionally like a men's job. Too. And I was like, I'm going to do that. So I became an engineer. And as I was studying engineering in France, I realized, okay, maybe this is not what I want to do for a job. <laughs> I need a little more dream, you know what I mean? Um, than just uh, technical things. So I 
when I finished university, I thought what I'm really passionate about is beauty. So I'm going to try and get into those beauty companies. And I approached Procter & Gamble because at the time in Morocco, they were the marketing school that everybody wanted to go there to work in consumer goods, beauty, marketing. So I started there in France. And it started in supply chain because I was an industrial engineer uh, by, by, um, by training. And I started and I loved it. But very quickly, I realized that I was better at the more product side, at the consumer side. It was always like pulling me. And, and I started this kind of crazy dream. I was like, should I move into brand and marketing and communications and all of that? But at the time in PNG France, you know, it's very siloed. You start engineering, you, you know, you can't kind of break. And everybody was like, you cannot change. So what I did is I remember very well, and I'm just going to the detail because it's a building block of who I became after. I remember I was on holiday and I was reading a magazine. It was the Fast Company and it was the Courage issue. And I remember I read this quote that said, only those who dare go too far can see how far they can go. And it's just like something in me wow. clicked. And I came back and I said, what's the worst that can happen? Somebody's going to tell me no, you know? Okay. So I came back and I said, you know, nobody has asked before me in 50 years of history at Procter & Gamble in France, but I would like to move from supply chain to marketing, please. And you know what happened? They said yes. And I was like, yeah. And it was an easy yes. They were like, yeah, we were wondering. We could see that this was more like your passion and you were always going above and beyond your day job to kind of try and go into other things. And this for me stayed with me. I was like, if you don't ask, you never get. So I started a career of asking, you know, when I wanted something. Uh, so then I started, you know, more traditional marketing at Procter & Gamble in France. I did the usual product manager, brand manager, brand manager, moved to the UK here in London for the last 15 years, actually. And, and you know, and I knew beauty was my thing. I was like, I'm only going to work on beauty because this is what I love. And, you know, when you work on something you love, you actually realize you're actually good at it as well. So it was a more positive circle. And uh, so I did PNG, then I did L'Oréal. And when I was a general manager of Maybelline here in the UK, I was having loads of fun. I was, this is great, makeup is fun. I'm having, but it was, but then you have this moment, you know, like I am not even halfway through my career, you know, God willing. It's, you know, I have so much more and this cannot be it. I cannot have just, you know, plateaued to doing various general management roles. And this is where, I guess my entrepreneurial age got the best of me. So I started thinking what I really want to do is to do something myself, not other people's brands, not other people's businesses. And I had so many ideas and, you know, and met needs in me that I just wanted to bring to the table. But, you know, it's a long journey between the itch and the action. And, uh, and that moment that really transformed that is when I had a chat with um, uh, Michelle, who was to become my co-founder and partner in Wellingcast. He used to be my boss in the UK and moved to be head of L'Oréal North America for the consumer division. And I was like, I need to talk to somebody sane. I said, you know, what do I want to do? Yeah, exactly. So grown up. I was like, to the question, what do you want to do next? I really want to go and do my own thing and do different beauty brands. And to my big surprise, he said, yes, you should absolutely do that. And to my even bigger surprise and delight, he said, I was thinking the same. And I, ha I want to go and act on my entrepreneurial itch. And I want to go and do something in beauty and wellness because both of us, what we know is beauty. 
And, and he said, let's do this together. Let's start Wallingcast with a vision to become really a global best-in-class uh, beauty and wellness platform that is the home of those indie brands of tomorrow. Because what's driving the soul and growth in beauty is indie brands with a story, with a DNA, with a you know, consumer connection and values as well in terms of clean, sustainable, and so on. And those brands... They only have enough to, you know, they, what they have that makes them successful at a small stage is not what is required to make them successful at scale. So we thought we will help them by bringing, you know, investments and operational expertise. And we created Weldingcast into three things. The first pillar was venture capital, where, where we invested in early stage beauty and wellness brands where, you know, giving them money and kind of help them with their strategy, have the right talent and so on. And that was the most amazing. That was the first year on Weldingcast in 2019. And it was my MBA in early stage and entrepreneurship. Okay. Okay. What, but how did you know how to like all of a sudden start a company where you're investing? Where'd you get the money from to invest in other people? So, yeah, we were lucky to have a partner as well, who is a hedge fund based in London, uh, friends that wanted to also explore beauty as investors. And they invested in Michelle and myself to say, okay, we want to be part of this beauty success. Beauty is an industry that is high growth, profitable, resilient. So they wanted to try and enter this industry and they knew that it's also a special industry that requires know-how and yeah, experience. An insider from the field, yeah. Exactly. So that's how we originally raised our funds for Welding Gas and that enabled us to invest in that. In other brands. So you said three things, the venture capital, the venture, the venture capital arm. You said there's two more. Yeah. The second one is Welling Gas Brands. And this is where we create and incubate brands from scratch. And this is what I had wind and I'll come on to wind uh, later, uh, where basically we look at market opportunities, consumer, what is missing, what we can, if we can't find something we're looking for to invest in, we create it from scratch. So that's Welling Gas Brands is based here in London. And then the third part was really uh, Welding Gas Acquisition Corp, which is a listed company, while the two first are more privately owned. And that came from a realization. And you know that very well as well, Maha, when you have a vision, you want, you know where you're going. You just don't know exactly how you get there. Yes. So, you know, so, and you would have to be flexible. So two years in, we thought, oh, to our dream of becoming this next best-in-class home of beauty brands, we have baby brands that we create, we have toddler brands that we invest in, but we need more teenage brands, you know, that are there, but they still have a runway for growth that we can help for further internationalize yeah. or potentialize. So this is where to fund this. We raised money in the public market. So we listed Welding Cast in the NASDAQ. And we are in the process of um, acquiring, making a combination with milk makeup uh, and Obagi skincare. So which is something wow. we're very excited You're about. You're acquiring milk? Yes, all going well. <laughs> Not yes. yet. I know the, the process. He's yeah. a great guy. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. First of all, that's an incredible story. I wrote down so many notes. I have so many questions. So all right, I took so fast. <laughs> yeah, well, first things like your level of curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. The level of curiosity that you had to like, what if, what if mm -hmm. I could move from supply chain mm -hmm. to marketing? Where did you learn that? Like, where did you learn, obviously the ambition, the entrepreneur, like, I want to try this. I want to like, how did you become curious and what drives your curiosity? 
there's always a nature and a nurture. In my case, uh, I have, I'm, like I said, I'm a dreamer by design. So I'm always looking at the story behind the story. I live in a state of constant uh, positive outlook at life. So I'm always, I get excited quite easily is probably the way to say it. And I'm never blasé. So I think that triggers a really, uh, an overall curiosity of life. Uh, The second one is I love, if all the values that guide me, freedom is the biggest one. I always, my, uh, you know, my family would say when I was, I was not a rebel by any stretch of the imagination, but I wanted free. For me, is to be able to do things on my own way and find my path and don't mind, don't care as much about the the path well traveled, which is a bit hard in our culture. So you have to, you know, uh, at least in Moroccan culture. Uh, but then this is the nature. And then the nurture is a trial and error, is to overcome that fear. You know, it's like, I, for me, it's almost, I tell people, is how you move from the why to the why not. You know, when somebody is like, why would you do this? It's like, why wouldn't I do this? You know, why not? And I think when you do it once and it works, and that's why I mentioned that early experience in my, um, in my, uh, in my career, it took me ages to get there. You know, it was like I was sweating, I was scared. You know, I had emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And then when it works, you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then it becomes like a muscle you work and you like the, um, the potential positive outcome massively outweighs the, um, the, uh, the risk. And I think it's also uh, a curiosity on whatever is happening. It's it's also trying to be connected with the world. And I'll give you an example that is more closer to you than to me, which is this whole world of crypto and NFT. Please, yeah. Right? I mean, I heard it, I heard it, I heard it. And I was like, I don't have time for this. And at one point, I was like, I cannot live in a world where I don't understand something that is getting so much traction with people that is happening. I'm going to understand this. And then I'll understand if it's good for me or not. But I cannot disengage, you know? Yeah. And that's why and I was like, and he did it a student way. And this is maybe more engineering kind of background. I was like, I'm gonna spend these two weeks of a Christmas reading, looking, test, you know, learning. just you. learning, you know, learning. And again, I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination, but on that path when I'm like, okay, I understand. Now I'm in a phase where what does it mean for me and my business? And how can I be part of this? So it's this always. Not being afraid, I guess, curiosity. Yeah. yeah. The one thing I loved about you when you were telling me about your story, you're a little bit about asking, like having mm-hmm. the courage to ask. So mm-hmm. having courage to do things that you haven't been done before mm-hmm. and then not being afraid to ask, like, what if they say no, what's the worst they can happen is they might mm-hmm. say no. So asking yeah. for that and hoping obviously that yes answer changed the tra- trajectory of your career forever. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you would have, maybe if they would have said, no, you would have went to a different company, but just like that experience of like, I want to ask, I'm going to try to push the boundaries. That takes a lot of courage to get there. What is one of the the most important values I have for me in, in people is what I look for. Courage. Mm. Define that. Tell me a little bit more about that. I think courage is for me is this idea that go for what you believe is right and think about the positive outcome versus the negative outcome. And it's also, I think, requires a best a bit of humility that you might fail mm-hmm. and it's okay. So it's almost like the opposite of ego, you know? 
So, because what paralyzes us, the fear mostly comes, I mean, all of us lead careers where our lives are not in danger. What is in danger is our image and other people's perception of us. So it's that fight when I see people doing, you know, I, I've heard somebody in my career said earlier, which also was defining, I don't remember. He said, I think it's probably Michelle. He said, when we're better get fired for something you believe in, you know? And so many people get punished from a personal or professional point of view for something that was not even their choice. It's what other people's choice for them. So I'm like, as long as it is my choice and I put myself out there, I'm happy to happy, you know, to kind of live with the consequences. And I think it's that doing the right thing and muting a bit of the ego. And if you fail, it's a yeah, and having the either the courage to speak up for what you want or the courage to push through something that feels uncomfortable because you might be learning and growing. Like one of the things, obviously, your engineering background helped you tremendously in developing products because mm-hmm. you understand how things are made. Mm-hmm. So I want to know the story of wind. Mm-hmm. I want to know how did you come up with the name? How did you just wake up? Obviously, you've been in the beauty industry, so you knew, mm-hmm. but you were on the marketing side and like operations, packaging, production, where to make it. Mm-hmm. How did you know what to do and how did you do it? It's, um, you know, wind is a very, is a, is a project that is a bit special for me because it was also a, um, a journey of personal growth, right? Because I put a lot of who I am and my own maturity and, you know, courage or, and all of these things. So when I remember, you know, people always talk about like being a successful entrepreneur in their 20s or whatever. And great. I couldn't have done that in my 20s. You know, sometimes you think, I remember the first time I wanted something of mine is I was in high school and I was writing logos, making up logos with my name. Why? I didn't even have, you know, I was like, yeah, (laughs) Hint had logos and it was Hint safety all over the place. Um, But, you know, but it wasn't me. Then I remember in my early 20s when I started working, I could see a few brands here and there in France that were starting and it would be like, oh. I wish this was me. You know, it's the only time when I was like, I wish this was me, but I was too scared. I was too young or inexperienced. And it was, it was just, um, it was just an itch, but I could not really, I was not grown up enough to put a a frame around it. I was more still into to be successful. You have to do the, the traditional career path, get into a job, get promoted as quickly as possible, go up the ladder. That was still my ego was telling me that this was the, the, the way to go. And uh, so I was always like muting it and ignoring it. But for me, there was an idea of a brand, but mostly a brand that looked like me. There's something that I couldn't find and recognize. And I have a little story. I have, I remember when it was maybe, it was 15 years ago, I started thinking I need a beauty brand inspired by that beauty rituals that I know in Morocco. So I asked my dad when he came to visit me and my mom, I said, go to the, you know, in Morocco, they, they sell the kind of all the weirdest ingredients in the soups and so on. And I said, just bring me everything that the old apothecary guys tells you we can use in beauty, everything. So they brought them to me and I unpacked them. And it was so many weird herbs that I had never seen with the names written in tiny Arabic that I couldn't even translate. So I have all this stuff that I don't know what it is and how to use, but I kept it. I moved from Paris to London and I kept it. I moved houses six times and I kept this big 
Yeah, it was my thing. You know, I was like, this was something I wanted to do, but I've never done because I was not ready and I couldn't. So I'm just transporting this mix of herbs and various factors with me. And, and for me, that was something that I, you know, I wouldn't have recognized at the time is when I think back that I'm like, okay, that was a milestone. And the last milestone was really when I was maybe it was six or seven years ago. And again, I'm in beauty. I talk to thousands of you know, women and men. So you kind of get a feel of what's missing. And I would step into the big beauty stores. And I'm like, I love all of these brands. I use them. I work on them. But I'm missing something that emotionally connects with me. A brand that looks like me. That is you know, high performance because I need products to work. And also sensorial, that is indulgence. I don't have to go here or there. You know, I don't want to compromise. I want both. And I knew how to get the performance because it is my job. You know, I worked on Erle, I worked on Paris, I worked on a lot of skincare brands. But I'm like, but what is the sensoriality? How am I going to get inspired by? And the inspiration came when I, I was back to Morocco, this time to Casablanca. And I was really stressed out. I think it was, you know, there was a phase before you... And Lisha, you know, and I was like, I am not, something in me is not quite well. My sister, Sarah, was like, go to the hammam. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to the hammam. And as I'm laying down and the lady is, you know, is kind of exfoliating me and applying a clay mask that smells like mint, a honey mask. I was like, oh, my God, I know exactly what I'm missing. I'm missing a bit of the sensoriality of the Moroccan rituals. So I'm going to put those into skincare. So this is where, and I said, okay, it's going to be science and sensoriality and I'm going to get it going. So, and as we started developing it, because it's for the first time that I was doing a brand with my full on, um, you know, expressing my own taste and my own vision of beauty I didn't even think of making the link with Morocco, but I would show it to friends and they will be, oh, this feels Moroccan or this feels Arab. And I'm like, what do you mean? And then I took a step back and I was like, yeah, amber packaging. Yeah, this feels pretty much, you know, it's the colors. Yeah, it's the colors, it's the ingredient. I was like, yeah, all the sensoriality is, I thought it was just a nod, but it was there. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to own it. I think what the world needs is different point of views of beauty. My point of view on beauty, on diversity, is not just putting three models with different skin tones on an ad, is really seeing beauty that is born in different parts of the world. Beauty born, you know, in Morocco, in Egypt, in Indonesia. In, I mean, I don't mind, but I want to see that diversity of beauty point of views with its experience, with how they you know, how they show beauty with how they, they show rituals. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that with Wayne. So that was, you know, I saw it as this is the brand. There are products, but products are at the service of what I want to do for me from a brand point of view. And, uh, and yeah, and the, 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 the biggest, and then the biggest, the second biggest um, uh, tension point for me was the name, right? How did because you come up with the name? So I didn't come up with it. Uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. I didn't come up with it because despite spending my teenage years putting logos with my name, 30 years later, I was like, maybe not, you know. But uh, And I, when I was building Wind, my uh, creative uh, friend who works on this with me is Russian based in New York. And this was important for me because I didn't want to create a kitsch or stereotypical vision 
of Morocco. I wanted somebody who didn't know it. So I tell them and they bring it to life. And she was always obsessed. She was like, oh, I like the sound of Hind. I like the sound of Hind. I was like, we were not going to call it Hind. So let's just move on. And as I was I was like, no way. I was like, I can't. I can't go. I'm Hind and this is Hind. It was too much for me. I'm not ready for that yet. And, um, and then as I was describing the vibe of the brand, I said, you know, it's a brand that is in, you know, it's like it's some centrality, it's slow movement. It's like the wind in the dunes. And, you know, and then that was it. She's like, Hind, we're going to call it wind for that kind of movement. And then we're going to take a spin on it by you know, putting the age from your name on it. So it's a bit more unique. And I like that because I thought, you know, when you translate the W in Arabic, it means end hint with hint. So it's this idea of community, which yeah, I love. Yeah, 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 I love this a lot. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a mystical magic, like people feel if, like towards Morocco, like Morocco is just like this beautiful kind of every time you think of it you think of like eclectic colors and desert and just exotic and beautiful mm-hmm. and I always think like when when you came to create a beauty brand there's Moroccan oil which is this hair mm-hmm. product mm-hmm. did you ever think like okay this is going to be a brand that people in Morocco buy or did you have a vision of like this is going to be a global brand global brand from the beginning right and wow. how did you just wake up saying, I, I know I can compete with these companies distribution, selling it into retailers? Like, what was that process like? Uh, because, you know, because when you, you're a dreamer, you dream big <laughs> to start with. And uh, and also because it's the industry I came in, right? I didn't, I never said I want to do, and this is important, right? When you set up your own business to see what are you shooting for? What is important to you? Mm-hmm. I didn't say I want to do my own thing in my corner or I'm doing this because I want to go and relocate to Morocco or something. I was like, I want to build the next beauty brand that looks like nothing that we've seen before. The best compliments I get on wind is when people, consumer, retailers, press, influencers say, I have not seen a brand like this before. Because I think there are so many brands that look the same because every time there's something successful, everybody follows that blueprint and do the same over and over and over. Like Glossier has spun like thousands of similar brands. You know, it's always the same. I wanted something different and I wanted it to be big because I think... Moroccan beauty and beyond Moroccan beauty is Mediterranean Arab beauty. I call it the beauty of the sunshine belt, you know, is a beauty that deserves to be spotlighted. We have cultures where beauty is important. We spend a lot of money in beauty. We are involved in beauty, but we do not. We don't see ourselves on big brands. So from the beginning, I was like, yeah, it needs to be a big brand next to all the other brands. And and I knew that because of this is where my background of working on global beauty brands helped. Yeah. So when did you launch the products? Uh, we soft launched them in April 2021. And the reason why is because I just couldn't, I mean, it was the pandemic, which was not ideal to be developing brands. Uh, but I couldn't wait. I was like, it is here. I need it to be out there because I want to hear what people have to say. I want to fine tune the storytelling because there's also one of the values we have at Welding Cast and I have personally is ambition with humility. So I want to build the next amazing brand inspired by Morocco, the Arab world and so on. But I also want to hear what people have to say because you have your point of view, but I wanted consumers to experience the brand, to experience the product. And, you know, and it helps me fine tune a lot of the storytelling, for example, and this is part of my, like I say, my personal journey. 
I, because this is a brand where I have a little bit of me personally and a little bit of Morocco, I couldn't say this out loud. You know, every time I was presenting wind, I couldn't say it's inspired by me. It's inspired by my grandma, it's inspired by Morocco because I felt it was a bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it. Yeah, and I was like, it made me uncomfortable. And I was like, why am I doing a worse job at presenting wind that I would do for any other brand? Because it's not the same, you know, it's almost like, this woman is beautiful or talking about yourself, right? So, but it, but it for me is the feedback is when we started putting it in front of people and they were like, what I love is the inspired by Morocco. What I love is this exotism that doesn't need to be, you know, tourist true. It's a fantasy. It's the hyper reality of Morocco, right? I, I personally love how they smell. Like, I just feel obviously the products are wonderful, but like the feeling I feel when I put it on, makes me feel beautiful. Like it's an incredible feeling. I'm like, oh, and I can't wait to open my drawer and get it on in the morning. Tell me a little bit about like touching on this point, you built and launched the company during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You obviously have to have a team that's helping you Mm -hmm. support this business. How do you cascade culture during a remote working environment to build a global beauty brand? Uh, It is tough. (laughs) It is tough because, I mean, first, um, when we started building our team at Welding Cast, I always had a list of people that I loved, that I worked with, that were my dream team, my fantasy dream team. And I was like, if I have, because, you know, this is like your your thing. So, you, baby. you know, it's, I mean, as you know, firsthand, you need people. This is not just a, a job. It's much more than that. So we started with people that we knew and that we loved and we thought were a perfect fit with Welding Cast. And I think that gives you like, almost like a second layer that the culture is not just two founders trying to, it's um, it's multiple people who understand the founders and the culture. So almost like a relay to be able to cascade it, otherwise it's not possible. And what I found in the recruitment is I think a remote culture is very hard um, if it's always on, you know what I mean? Now now I think we learned the flexibility of being able to do, you know, to flex your time to whatever works best, which I think is wonderful. But I think we are fundamentally human and we're built on relationship. So you have to build the, um, the places where people can come and connect. For example, in London, in the middle of the pandemic, uh, when everybody was, um, um, you know, in lockdown in London, we had lockdown in and out, in and out. We started growing the team and I felt the need that even if the, the logical commercial or financial reason would be not to have an office, I was like, no, I think we need, we need a route somewhere. We need a place where we can put our products, where we can meet, not every day, but people feel an anchor. You know, sometimes you feel an anchor, especially we have teams that are young. Some of them, it was their first jobs and so on. So I think that helped. And I think the thing that what I spend most of my time on Maha is people, is finding the right people, but also not just technically, because there's a lot of good people, but people that fits with the business culture of the company. So I'm very upfront. I say, this is who we are and this is who we are not. You know, there's no, you know, dating is very, it's a very transparent one. I'm not trying to get you in at all costs. I'm trying to get you into something that you will enjoy. So this is who we are, no judgments, pluses and minuses. If this is how you like to work, if you love agility, if you are passionate about beauty, if you believe in a dream and understand that there are many ways to get there, that we have to figure them as we go, 
with yeah. all the, you know, then it's going to be a culture for you. If you look for something more different, then yeah, this is exactly. not going to be happy. Yeah. So the key is to over communicating your values up front when you're interviewing yeah, people. It's for sure. There's a good cultural fit, but also to listen, you had to create a framework for them to have mm-hmm. the culture. Like we're going to have a home base. We're not going to work every day from the office, but just mm-hmm. understanding how do you cultivate that as you scale your business? Mm-hmm. So basically it's almost been a little over a year since you launched the products. What are some of the lessons that you learned? Good and bad. Oh, it's, it's been a year of uh, intense learning. I learned a lot on the people side, which is what I told you in terms of values upfront is the outcome of uh, many of those learnings. Um, I learned to be patient because I always worked in big companies, big machines with unlimited, you know, and existing brands. Yeah. Yeah. Learned to appreciate the power of focus that when we say strategy is all about choices and choices is also about what we don't do. So when we are excitable and passionate like ourselves, we can, we have a tendency to try and do too much, which is not the right thing to do. So I became, okay, what are the four things we need to do? And we only do those four things because this is what's going to be important to the business. I want to ask some questions about your skincare routine and your beauty Mm -hmm. routine. What are you finding for feedback from customers and stuff? So like, are you guys on TikTok? Yes, we are. We're starting. We need to crack TikTok is one of our choices <laughs> up there in terms of marketing strategy. Yes, we are. Yeah. So thinking of TikTok, TikTok mm-hmm. helps brands go viral. Mm-hmm. So let's say you could use one of your products to go viral. What would you wish for a skincare routine that you wish everyone knew about? Ooh, a skincare routine. I mean, I think the... Um, for me, what is the opportunity that I want to say on, on wind as a routine is let is what exactly what you said is about how it makes you feel, which is a bit different to communicate, right? And I always tell in every story when I talk about a products, they all high science and formulated in the best lab, but they're all inspired by a gesture that makes them more anchored and emotional. It's always around a function. Like for me, a skincare routine was like a function, like I had to do yeah. it. Yeah, now I want to do it. Like now exactly. I'm how it makes me feel. So I'm like, I'm telling you, cause I am older than I look and I have like never had a skincare routine and knew I was supposed to buy all these products and put all this oils on my face and do it. And yeah. I was like, I have to do this. And now like when I got the products, I started trying them cause I like this jelly. Yeah. I'm like, I just want to wash my face all the time now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so I funny. Really, I really was not like that at all, but now I'm like, and I'm posting about it. I'm like loving it. I was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I just like it. I just want no. everyone to know it's the way it makes me feel that like, I want yeah. to do it. Like I feel the essence of beauty. I don't feel like I'm cleaning my face. Yeah. I mean, for me, the definition of beauty, and I think it was Tahar bin Jun, who is an, a Moroccan writer who said it, he said, beauty is first and foremost an emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something that is created by the beauty industry. It's something that thousands of years ago, people were doing, have drawing on caves, people, I mean, there's something very human, uh, you know, about beauty and it's about how it makes us feel, not just how it makes us look. And what you said about beauty I want to use was exactly the insight we were going after for wind, if I have to be technical. Because yeah. one of, I mean, one of the first lessons I learned on skincare 20 years ago when I started is I asked somebody, 
who was like a an R&D doctor. And I said, this, I mean, it was 20, so I was like a bit like, does skincare actually work? And she said, the only skincare that works is the one that you actually use. And most people don't use skincare product or beauty product because they don't enjoy it. Enjoyment is what drives the consistency. So I said, if you marry science, amazing product with the sensoriality that makes you want to use them, of course, you'll see superior results. And it's and one of the things that I love about the feedbacks we get from consumers is consumers. I mean, the, the, my, my favorite is uh, this consumer who told us, uh, if this exfoliator was a man, I would marry it. I was like, okay, this is deep, you know, but she loved it. She's like, I love it. You know, I'm committed to it. And I love those more than just kind of a functional or oh, this vitamin C really brightens my skin. Of course, it brightens your skin. That's how we developed it. But how it makes you feel, how it gives you this joy, buying into beauty is what makes me personally happy. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm a huge fan and I love it. How does this, this is a technical question because a consumer, how can this product, Yeah, see it, it's the, um, the cream, it's yeah. the whipped cream. How, cause how is it cold all the time? Say again, how's it cold all the time? <laughs> all the time I put it on, it's cold. I'm like, it's like very refreshing. I'm like, I have yeah. to put it on. Yeah, it has. I mean, this is this is one of the, the products that is inspired by something that is very close to me. I love. I grew up with my grandmother splashing rose water. You know, it's yeah, hot yeah, rose it's so water. Fresh and light. Like and I, I said, how can you? By the way, oh. rose water is a staple of Egypt and Morocco, and, stuff, and I never yeah. liked it. But I love it in this. It yeah, great. and. And it's and the way we've done it is it's called encapsulated hydration. So it's microcapsules, and every time you put it on, it bursts on your skin. So you have like this micro feelings of bursting hydration that gives you that freshness. I love it. Tell me um, before we wrap up hmm. a message that you want to tell everybody about beauty within and taking care of yourself. <sighs> I mean, but beauty. Mm. I think beauty is. Like I said, beauty is first and foremost an emotion. And I am so glad that it looks like we went full circles from back in the day, beauty was part of a ritual. Then it became a medicine of some sort. So more like a chore. We have to do it. We have to do it. And now it's back to being a self-care. And it's about taking the time. I always remember my grandmother. She never just like I, she, I used to give her some Olay products, which she loved. And she would never just slap them on. She would massage them for like 10 minutes because to her, if your beauty and taking care of yourself is something that is essential, is not me time, which by the way, I hate this whole concept of me time. It is who you are. So the, this nurturing, doing something that you enjoy, whatever that might be, might be, you know, applying, uh, you know, delicious skincare is gives you a bit of that inside out happiness. Uh, that's why rituals are something that exists in all cultures in different ways, because, you know, they, they, they bring something uh, from um, an emotional point of view. Yeah. And then a ritual becomes a routine. Okay. I cannot let you go without asking you spent your Christmas break studying about NFTs and web three. <laughs> what are your plans? I mean, I, I mean, we need to have another conversation. You can help me with my plans, you know, much more than I do. That was just yeah. me like throwing in. Uh, for me, I'm obsessed with this idea of community. You know, wind is a brand built for a community. You know, it's, it's content, it's storytelling, it's rich. So I was thinking about how can I use these new tools to create unique experiences and community because 
experiences in real life are super critical, but how do we bring that to a digital world and how we make them communicate? So I don't have a plan yet, but it's something that I'm thinking actively about. And I would love, you know, you can introduce me to somebody to help me. I I want to be the first one out there leveraging this amazing, um, you know, new tools, understanding them and using them to drive, um, you know, our consumer community engagement and so on. And thank you for being my guest on the thank show you today. I am so grateful that you had the curiosity and courage to ask for that role, which led you to the path to create one of this one company that I adore and love, and I'm enjoying the product so much. And you make me feel beautiful in ways that I didn't even know I really would appreciate every morning and every evening. Thank you so much for joining us today, and I can't wait to spend more time with you. Me too. I'm really looking forward to it. Thank you, Maha, for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Savvy Talk. I'm Maha Bulanin, and I'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. In the meantime, please subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Maha Geber and Digital and Savvy for more information, including some snippets and highlights of the upcoming guests and talks. Anyways, all's good in the world. Hope you guys are great, staying healthy and safe, and uh, thanks for listening.